1: Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Mike Shope. This guy's a real jerk. And the bulldog.
0: I'm I'm sort of anal retentive, OCD kind of whack job. On WGR. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, if he doesn't mind, and I can't imagine that he will that would be really weird Brad Spielberger of PFF on the West Hur Hotline I'd like to go ahead and make whatever Brad says the final ruling on this so Brad welcome my co-host and I have a bet he's not here today on because I thought Derek Carr would really smash in free agency I'm like he's he's not too old those NFC South teams you know then you have the Jets who are maybe pretty desperate I thought he would do great so the bet we made was over under four years now i have over the numbers look pretty big but i'm not sure i won I, I in fact i know i didn't win maybe i pushed what what is the official what is the brad spielberger uh, ruling on how many years this contract is
2: yeah i think you technically did push uh on the four year but realistically this is a three-year contract at most so I'm sorry to break it to you. I know he's not even in the, in the studio to celebrate, um, but I would lean with a final ruling of a push, but lean towards the under-cashing
0: on this play. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll, I think I'll take the technicality. Um, you know, a push is a push. How, how, do you, how do you interpret how he did then? Like, Did you either think he was going to do this well or better or worse, and then how did he do? car I thought,
2: he did, I thought he did well no I, I agree with you that i think people kind of downplayed his market and thought he was going to get some you know one-year flyer or, or something like that I, I had him at two years 60 million and realistically he's earning 60 million in cash over the first few years of the deal he would get 10 million more would become fully guaranteed next year um in 2025 so worst case scenario he would make 70 million dollars for two years of his services um, which is great for him. It's a lot more assurances, a lot more guarantees. He was scheduled to earn about $75 million over the next two years on his old deal, but only $40 million of that was guaranteed. So, slightly lower cash flow, but obviously all that now is locked in no matter what. Um, and, and so I would say it's a win. I think him and his camp did a great job.
0: Where does this leave the Jets, in your opinion? So, like, I don't know how badly they wanted Carr. They certainly looked at him. And there was some pretty good hype coming out of that that visit. Like, is it just all in on Aaron Rodgers now, or can the Jets find another good idea here somewhere?
2: Yeah, I think unfortunately they were kind of left at the altar with uh, the quote coming out. Oh, he's leaning, uh, Garrett Carr is leaning towards the Jets. He'd love to go there. That to me was, hey, New Orleans, can you up your offer a little bit? Um, because I'd love to come play with you guys. And I think we did see that play out. So I do. I think they are. Desperate to a degree. You can't come into this and end up with a Jimmy Garoppolo or some kind of uninspiring bridge journeyman quarterback. I think you have to take the big swing and go for an Aaron Rodgers type player. At the same time, you know, there's obviously a lot of complications there. He's owed about $60 million in cash for just next year alone. Do you get any assurances that he's going to stick around for more than one year? Is the transition maybe not as smooth as you'd hoped and all those things? So, I think they are going to take that big swing. I want to say they're sitting at 13. You know, Maybe they explore moving up in the draft for another rookie, but they've tried that route so many times. So I think mm-hmm. they're still going to do all they can to convince Aaron Rodgers to become a New York Jet. I think the Packers would be open to it. Um, I just wonder where the compensation falls and how much they're willing to give up.
0: Right. So how problematic – is the Rodgers contract here for, like, maybe everybody except him. (laughs) Yes,
2: right. (laughs) Except for the guy that's going to earn $60 million next year, um, it's super complicated for everyone else. Because if you are – look, optics and all that matters in this league. I know it sounds silly, but at the end of the day, you know, fan reaction immediate media reaction all those things, it does move the needle in these buildings. And so if you – like I mentioned, it's not going to be some Russell Wilson-esque trade package to get him because – There's just so much downside risk. If he comes in, you pay him sixty million, and then he hangs up his cleats, and is that worth you know more than a first-round pick? I think it'll be maybe one first-round pick this year, and then I would guess like a conditional 2024 pick that maybe even be tied to you know does he play a snap in 2024, and then maybe that escalates from a you know a third to a second or 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 a first or whatever. But that is the hard part. And then for the other side, of course, it's difficult. You give up that top capital. You pay him his money. He's not going to take a pay cut or anything like that. He's Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, besides the man earning the money, it it complicates matters for every other party involved here.
0: You know, Brad, I think what I'd want to do is kind of lowball the Packers just to see if they'd be like, okay, our our problem our, our our headache is 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 has gone away like we're out from this contract we can see what Jordan Love is all these things you know you, you don't want to shoot too low and insult them but um yeah i mean i like how you're talking maybe less than a first round pick gets this gets this done it should be loaded with conditions you know how good the how well the team does that he goes to and you know how he plays or if he even plays in the future i think that makes a lot of sense
2: I think That's the big thing. It's tied to conditions. And look, if it it turns out to where all those conditions hit, like you said, you get tied to playoff success or making the playoffs or making the conference championship or whatever, and say, hey, look, we're willing to give you a really, really good trade package, but only if we hit these certain thresholds and benchmarks that we want to accomplish. If we fall short of all of those, then, yeah, you're not going to get a lot in return. I think that is the approach they're probably trying to take um, but, you know, of course, Green Bay has so much leverage as well. You know, they didn't play this well this past year, but back-to-back MVPs the years before that, you know, the name recognition, all those things obviously goes a long way.
0: With Brad Spielberger of PFF, we'll get to the Bills here, but while we're on quarterbacks, Brad, everybody wants to know what is going to happen with Lamar Jackson, and I'm, I'm sure you've been asked about him many times, including by us already in, in you know, recent weeks, the Ozzie Newsom, top of the Ravens front office, said we will tag him if there's no deal by tomorrow. I don't think anybody really expects there to be a deal by tomorrow. There are different kinds of franchise tags. Can you maybe explain that a little bit, Brad, or just tell us what you think is likely to happen there?
2: Yeah, and this is going to be a massive tell tomorrow. So my guess still is it's going to be the exclusive tag, and what that means is He's tagged for a number that, as of today, is about $45 million. I won't go into the weeds of the details, but that number can change up until late April. But nevertheless, imagine in your mind it's $45 million on an exclusive tag, and in that scenario, no one else can sign him to an offer sheet. He's just negotiating between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson and nobody else. With a non-exclusive tag, about $32.5 million, he then could go to talk to other teams, and they could sign him to an offer sheet and then the Ravens have the choice to either you match that offer sheet, and when I say match, you match every single detail of that contract. It's not just a value, it's a lot. Like, is it just match the value? No, you match that exact deal, or you don't match it. You say, you know what? All right, he's yours. Enjoy him. And you get two first round picks. And so the reason why I think they're going to go exclusive is Lamar Jackson is worth more than two first round picks on the trade market, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you look historically, of the last five franchise tags for quarterbacks, four of them were exclusive. Prescott, Kirk Cousins, a couple other guys. I am blanking on, but but yeah. So I think tomorrow we will get the exclusive franchise tag for Lamar Jackson. If I had to get,
0: are they a teams? If you if you do the other one and you choose not to match the offer sheet, is it your your next two first round picks? Like would it be this year and then next year, or if you had two this year, would it be both of those picks? Or do you know?
2: Great question. So, if, you ever, if you're a team that has a first-round pick this year, you wouldn't give two up. Let's say you have one this year, you'd give this year's and next year. Let's say you are the Miami Dolphins, which is where Lamar is from. I'm not just throwing that out by accident. Um, and a team that I think is still in the mix for these quarterbacks, you would get – you have to wait until after the draft and then sign him to an offer sheet if no one else already had at that point. And then you would give your 2024 and 2025 first-round pick. So, you don't okay. get extras acquired from somebody else. Um, but you would give two, um, you know, the, the next two that you have.
0: So, did, are you saying I like, I can't trade for one, and then use it? I have to wait.
2: I I don't believe so. To my knowledge, maybe you could work around that or, or find a way to kind of finagle the number, the, the okay. deal a little bit, and, and work something out with with the Ravens. Um, because you can also do you know side deals, really, right? like De, Devontae Adams last year. The Raiders, you know, said, hey, we're not going to sign to an offer sheet, but we want to bring him in the building. We're not going to give you a two first, but we'll do a first and a second. You trade him to us, and then we'll sign him to a long-term deal. So you can maybe go that route. But I think the official, like, CBA language of, you know, offer sheet, yada, yada, um, you can't use a, a first year acquired from somebody else.
0: The Bills had an offer sheet situation last year, if I remember correctly, with Ryan Bates and Chicago signed him to a contract, and the Bills chose to match that. It's pretty rare, though, isn't it?
2: You're right. It's extremely rare, and I, and I think Brandon Bean is you know, one of the best GMs in football, but I thought that was a big misstep last year, giving him a – basically his RF restricted free agent tender um, did not include a draft pick compensation in return. So there's different levels to that. And with Bates, basically they lost him, and the, and the Bears just signed him. The Bills would have gotten nothing. So – I think that was a bit of a misstep. Maybe they should have put the second-round tender on him. It was about a million and a half more money, uh, but then the Bears would not have signed him to an offer sheet. So, yes, yeah, to answer your question, though, it is very, very rare. That one was the first one since Cam Meredith, and I want to say 2017 or 16. Um, so it's like a you know once-every-few-years type of proposition.
0: Okay. Is it obvious here which side, which, which of these tags Brad Jackson would prefer? Like, it's less money. But he can shop himself around I mean, if he wants to leave. And if he does that, if, if that's what happens, you're predicting the exclusive tag. If he gets the other one and can shop himself around, of course, Baltimore can match anyway. Maybe that's the answer, that he would want the, the first one if he had to pick.
2: No, I think he'd want the non-exclusive. Because I do think there is a team that will step up and sign him to a contract that is at least Look, even if it's not fully guaranteed all the way through, we'll still have way more in full guarantees than what is the reported number that Baltimore has on the table right now. I right. think there are okay. enough expert teams out there, right, and, and then Baltimore again, I don't think he's against playing in Baltimore I think he's against playing at a you know w- without as many full guarantees at signing as he wants, so my, you know, I get you the note, you know, the is different, but in his mind, he'd say, if I send the 9-exclusive, I don't even care what the number is. It could be a dollar, because I'm, I'm not playing on this now, because someone is going to sign me to a, a massive multi-year deal.
0: Makes sense. Okay, there was some speculation that Baltimore might do that, correct? Like they, they...
2: There is. It's going around a lot, and I've heard it from a lot of reputable sources around the league. I personally don't get it. I think it's like a bit of a leverage play, or maybe a bit of a, hey, we're going to call you on your bluff, and we don't think... Anyone else is going to offer you the contract you think you're going to get? Like, hey, the Deshaun Watson situation was a one-off, and and Cleveland is one of the few teams that would do that, and they're obviously not going to do it again. I, if I'm Lamar Jackson, would say, all right, call me on the bluff then. I think a team like Atlanta, or you know, another one of these cash-rich teams that now has a lot of cap space, has a lot of flexibility. Like I said, maybe they don't go 230 million fully guaranteed at signing like Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. um, which is more than double the next highest, but. The reported number in Baltimore is 133. I could see a team going, I don't know, 180 and still dramatically increasing that number and, and, you know, putting Baltimore's feet to the
0: fire. Brad Spielberger of PFF. Really excellent uh, insight here, Brad. How about Daniel Jones? Tons of media speculation on him. That's kind of its own conversation, right? Like how things are getting out, what's getting out, what the real numbers are here. We've heard some insane speculation, I would call it that, on Jones, like in the Mahomes' area this kind of money for him what do you think is really happening
2: you know it was very funny cuz there was one thing i was waiting to come out uh that i kind of you know been tipped off to a bit where there was the initial number of 45 million dollars that was before he switched his agents and i had a couple conversations that i'm not even sure his old agents and the team even offered deals i don't even think they even exchanged numbers it finally was reported by someone um this past week that was the case so there's these numbers floating around and his old agency, which he switched like two weeks ago, um, had never even asked for a number and the giants never even made an offer. So I think that says a lot. I think it's look, it's a New York market. He's a, a hot button issue player right now because his value's kind of all over the place. I'll say this. When you look at these contracts for a top end player, a guy that is worthy of a franchise tag, every conversation starts here. What are two tags, which for Jones would be around $72 million for two tags. And you start there and work off of it. So, his floor is about $36 million. Like that's a a reasonable and realistic floor. Um, Do I think he's asking for 48 or 45? Maybe, but I think you're probably settling in between those two numbers and both sides understand that. I will say last thing too, I think it's very silly. You know, I obviously help out with some of these deals for whatever reason, the team starts dramatically low, like laughably low and the agent starts laughably high. (laughs) It makes no sense to me, but that's how it goes. And then they kind of settle in the middle. So, Long answer short, again, I think Jones is not going to get done before the franchise tag deadline tomorrow, but I think they will tag him, and it will get done before July 15th, and I think it will settle in right around $40 million per year, um, which I honestly think is a reasonable number in today's NFL.
0: Really? Okay. Because uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a little bit I, – I, so I'm not a Jones fan, really, and it's like – this probably sounds like a homer, but that Dable and Shane go to New York, it's a little bit – to me like how the bills broke their playoff drought Brad in 2017 where they did not have a really good team but they got in which was heavenly and then you know they moved on from their quarterback i feel like the giants could i don't know do you have an opinion on like whether how that would go over if they did that i mean you're you're saying it too as we're talking there are different there are some interesting options in the market
2: yeah, I love that comment because I've actually been saying that for months now, that it's almost identical to Tyrod Taylor oh. versus Daniel Jones now. Um, you look at some of his stats in that last season, I want to say Tyrod Taylor had 14 touchdown passes and four interceptions. Daniel Jones had 15 and five this year. Their PFF passing grade was almost identical. Um, their yards per attempt were identical. Like it was, They were in very many ways the exact same player. And I said, look, Joe Shane has been through this. He's seen this. But I will tell you, I – I've heard that inside the building that Jones has sold himself to every single person in that building. The new regime came in. They didn't pick up his fifth year option. They didn't think he was the guy. And now looking back, they said, yes, he still needs to get a lot better, but he had basically no one to throw to this year. His offensive line definitely got better, but wasn't as good. You know, it still isn't a great unit. And I think they really have sold themselves. On him, again, for a lower market deal, which I know 40 doesn't sound lower market, but it might not even be top 10 by the end of this offseason. Um, I think they've sold themselves, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Joe Shane says, look, I've been through this already. We'll place a franchise tag for $32.5 million, and hey, go prove it to us, do it again, and then we'll give you the deal you're looking for.
0: Very interesting. So, Brad, here are the bills. A little bit over the cap, or even more than a little bit. We've got some interesting, really good players headed to free agency, starting with Jordan Poyer. Jermaine Edmonds, right there too. Either with specifics or just in general. I know we've talked before, but as we as we talk today, like what what is your advice for the Bills, if I can put it that way?
2: Yeah. So coming off a week in Indianapolis, I think Jermaine Edmonds is as good as gone because I think he's going to get eighteen, nineteen million dollars a year, like a really, really big contract that I just don't think they can justify in their books right now. Um, you know, I mean, a because Matt Milano is arguably a better player and making about half of that. Uh, but also just because of the amount of big deals they already have signed. If Poyer, I think, is more interesting. I think they can maybe find a way to make this work. You're hearing about seven to $8 million per year for him, which I think is feasible um, for both parties. And he obviously, has meant a lot to this team. Barely missed a snap until this past year. So, I think that one they can find a way to get done. But, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if both guys are gone. I think they're going to focus their efforts on a little bit on the interior of the offensive line. Um, and maybe even maybe even a right tackle or a swing tackle type player, um, and then maybe that wide receiver three spot as well. I, I mean, mm-hmm. no one's really talking about Gabriel Davis, but he's he's in that contract here, right? And we saw last off season every you know guy going into the fourth year of his rookie deal get this massive deal. I don't think he's going to get in that twenty million plus conversation, but if they are prepared to pay him, I don't know, fifteen to eighteen million per year. Again, can they afford to spend elsewhere? So I think they're going to pick their spots, and I think it's going to be along the trenches. Um, and maybe a little bit in the secondary, including Poirier.
0: Interesting. T- today's rumor seems to be Derek Henry. Do you happen to have a grasp on his contract situation? If you, I mean, I'm so impressed with all that, all that you have uh, and, and just know you can rattle off. I'm not sure you're thinking much about Derek Henry. At running back, you've got a half dozen or so guys, Brad, as you know, I'm sure, that are north of $10 million cap number that might end up being caught. I mean, it'll be a very interesting few weeks here at running back.
2: You know I got you as always. So Derrick Henry uh, is owed ten and a half million dollars in cash next year, which is the final year of the contract. And I think for that reason, the trade compensation is not going to be that big, right? I mean, he's obviously a special player, but if you're trading for a guy in the last year of his deal, a guy that look the, the, the wheels not falling off yet, but getting a little bit up there in age for that position, obviously has more tread on his tires than know, any player in the last decade. Um, you know, I, I think you're probably offering a third round pick, maybe even try a fourth round pick, just because there's probably an understanding that you give an extension on top of the, you know, the trade once you make it. Um, So for that reason, I don't, I don't totally see it for Buffalo. I get the excitement. I get fans wanting him to come in and play some bully ball and do some different things for that offense. But I personally, like you mentioned, I think is the key. It is such a flooded market, both in free agency and the draft. All those guys showed out this weekend in Indianapolis. There's just so many options that I'm not sure they they, they look at it as let's spend at the top of the market. They probably think, we can add a couple contributors for mid tier or less, or a draft pick on early day three that could come in and
0: start for this team. Right? Do you think? Do you know of a spot where you think he, he fits? I mean, Tennessee looking to trade him, I think makes sense.
2: I, at this point, it definitely does. I mean, they're clearly tearing everything down, um, you know, to the skids. I think Ryan Tannehill, who's owed twenty nine million dollars in cash next year, is probably the next domino to fall there. You know, it is tough. I, I mean, depending on a team that's willing to bring him in and pay him on top of what he already has, you know, it's an interesting question. I'm obviously not doing, not doing great radio here. Miami, does have a lot of big, <laughs> Miami has a lot of big contracts, but they're kind of already in, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. He's obviously been in that outside zone offense. They have no running backs under contract right now in Miami at all. Um, and I also think Washington's kind of interesting as well. They do have Brian Robinson and Anthony uh, Anthony Gibson, Antonio Gibson, but mm-hmm. – I think neither guy prevents a move. And I think another you know, offense, you know, with Eric the enemy now in tow, they're trying to give him some players to work with uh, and maybe could view that as a good expense.
0: Very good. Brad, you did great as always. Thanks so much. Thank you. Brad Spielberger of PFF. I mean, we ran through a lot. What uh, What's the headline from that conversation? I kind of thought about Davis a little bit, you know, 15 to 18 million. I feel like, I don't know. I want to be careful not to overdo it, and I think generally in our conversations about Gabe Davis, maybe we have overdone it a little bit on what he isn't. But that's just a lot of money. Like, do we want to do that? Fifteen million dollars a year for Davis? I do. I started to say it, then I stopped. I, I do think maybe now is the time. It is one of these where if the guy puts up a bigger year. It's gonna be more expensive for you. Um and I doubt their cap issues right now are prohibitive for this. Like it's the kind of deal where you're you're looking out over the course of the next several years. I mean, do you wanna do you wanna lock up Gabe Davis? Speaking of wide receiver, maybe this is you. Uh as we've talked about today some there is some speculation about like just where Stephon Diggs head is at. And he's he might be just toying with people on social media, but because of how the season ended and how he played it that last, that last game, just, you know, the demonstration to put it nicely on the sideline, you know? Dallas rumors and that. Sal and I talked about this earlier. I am just not a fan of those sort of antics. And I don't want to apologize for that. You know, like these days... There's just like I feel like there's pressure to always defend the player. Like everything is okay, football. They can just cut you whenever they want. It's not. It's not a fair, a fair transaction, you know. But I just feel like it's it's just wrong to me. And even Brandon Bean, I heard talking like this on Eric Wood's podcast. The, the way Diggs gets defended for that act is to say. Well would you want him like being today was would you just want everybody sitting there on the sideline no emotion you know we'll we'll get him next time like no how is that always why is that always the the only other possible way of acting like you're either going off on Josh Allen like that in front of everybody or what you don't care like those are the two possible those are the only alternatives how about, like, the vast majority of NFL players that care a damn lot that would never act like that? Like, what about them? It's always just, like, these apologies for anybody that loses it like that. If the guy's good. If he's not good, then we don't want him. Then it's embarrassing. But, oh, well, do you want a guy who doesn't want to win? No. Are you saying everybody else doesn't want to win? Like, they all want to win. And they're all pretty serious about it. And they're all not losing it in a tantrum on the sideline so i hated it i didn't hate it i i really do i have to say i do kind of hate the way that it's always framed as like oh no it's a good thing it is why doesn't everybody do it why does everybody just scream at each other all day like that's good for your team Mm. i don't know i have no idea whether Diggs is happy he likes to. I think he likes to toy with people and kind of keep you guessing, and that's fine. That's how, how he wants it. If he didn't want it that way, he'd actually maybe have shown up at the, at the podium after they lost and said, you know, how he was feeling, or some other time. But um, I don't want to worry about him, and so I'm not gonna. But I think maybe fans are a little bit. 803-0550 for your calls. The Combine, Diggs if you want, the Sabres and their game tonight or their win Saturday, what um, what they're up to with an important month-plus left in their regular season. would love to talk to you. 803-0550 is the number here. Bulldog is back tomorrow. This is Mike Shope on WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,
1: celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?